Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love, linked in the show notes. But what really is interesting for me is that rising middle class of creators and how can we, the average person, how can we help them take home a a couple more bucks every month? Imagine living your normal day and getting your car fueled up on demand. Seriously, check out LA Startup Refill Fuel and enter code WeRLATech for $10 off. That's Refill Fuel. It's amazing. Literally, you can be anywhere and have your gas totally topped off the tank and not even have to deal with it. No more gas stations to go to refillfuel.com. That's R-E-F-I-L-L-F-U-E-L.com. Code WeRLATech for $10 off. We could not do this without the community believing in our vision together. We Are LA Tech is independently funded, funded by you, the community. So to support We Are LA Tech, go to patreon.com slash We Are LA Tech. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash We Are LA Tech. Welcome, you guys, to We Are LA Tech. I'm Brian Nickerson, guest hosting for Esprit Devora. Um, and we're super excited for today's guest. Drew Shannon. Hey, Drew. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. So, Drew, you've seen a ton in the online video ecosystem. First of all, what are you up to right now? Sure. So, uh, these days, uh, for work, I, I'm SVP of business and network operations at a, at a company in Hollywood called Style Hall. Um, Style Hall is one of the largest beauty and fashion influencer networks, um, specifically on YouTube. And in my role at Style Hall, I kind of wear multiple hats and, and, uh, you know, try to help the, help the business grow. Amazing. And your journey to style hall, can you walk us through that a little bit? Because I'm sure listeners would like to know one style hall is a huge, very well-respected company in the MCN space and in the influencer space. Um, but you've, you've also had an interesting journey on your way to this role. Yeah. So, uh, I'm originally from the Midwest and I graduated college almost 10 years ago. And, and for the longest time growing up and then going into high school and college, um, I was a big music head. Um, I, I, my best gift I ever received was a boombox from my, from my parents when I was 10 or 11 hmm. and growing up and through sort of my teenage years, I always thought that I wanted to work in the music business. So after I graduated college, I, I moved to New York and was lucky to live out my dream, working in music, um, doing digital marketing and PR for some of the some of the biggest bands out there, working for some major record labels and and doing that. And it's no secret to most people out there, the music business is a pretty pretty tough business these days. Uh, slightly better actually now with with companies like uh, like Spotify. But mm-hmm. back when I worked in music, it was kind of pre-streaming, but you know Napster had already come and gone, and it was a pretty bleak place to be. And so after a couple years in New York, I was looking for a change. And so I, I had always wanted to live in LA, um, growing up in Michigan and then spending some years in, in New York, I was ready for the sunshine. So, uh, <laughs> I, I came out here to, to, to Los Angeles on a, uh, job and apartment hunt and was lucky enough to get introduced to these two guys who, um, ha- were running this, this, 
company and an industry I never knew existed, um, which was called kind of the YouTube multi-channel network industry. Um, those guys were, were running this company called Full Screen, um, which had been around for maybe a year or a year and a half by that point. Um, they, they probably had 50 or 60 employees and I was lucky enough to get introduced to them and, and kind of wasn't really sure what I wanted to do or what kind of value I could bring to them at that point. But, um, they hired me and kind of the rest is history. And that was, uh, that was July, 2012. So, um, since then, both at, both at full screen and now at style hall, it's been, been an interesting journey. Yeah. And so how, how you said you got introduced to, and was this the founders of full screen? Yeah. So some, George was the founder yeah. and CEO. Ezra had, was the COO at full screen and had previously been CEO at maker. Um, so he, he was not the, not a founder, but, but pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. And how, how, how curious, cause a lot of people come to LA and try to figure out how do they get their start right in tech or in startup companies. And it seems like, you know, coming from, New York, you were able to manage that pretty well to get introduced to a couple of founders of a rocket ship company, as you said. Yeah, I, I was really fortunate that a friend of a friend of a friend was uh, was running a company who was a client of Fullscreen. Uh, and so, you know, this person owed this other person a favor. And um, I, I wish I had better advice. I wish I had some cool, like, hustle story where I could say, <laughs> you know, I, I sent them a cold email and uh, and promised them that I'd change the world. But uh, no, I was just the luck of, of good connections. Amazing. And so in your time, so full screen and style hall have really been two of the leading MCNs, um, especially in Los Angeles. They've driven a lot of innovation and there's been a lot of change, um, during, during your time. I'm sure that you've seen at both of those companies. Um, what, what, what are some trends that stand out to you, uh, in terms of how each of those businesses have evolved over the last few years? And as you've had, you know, senior leadership roles at both of them. Yeah. You know, I think the, the analogy that I use a lot or, or that I've heard both from, um, from Stephanie, who, who's the CEO of, of style hall. I think she heard this from, from one of her early investors, um, kind of the early days and, and actually, does it make sense to maybe do a, a basic sort of one oh one of what this weird yeah, YouTube industry absolutely. is? I think people, yeah, let's use that as a foundation. Then let's dive into that question. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So for folks who have no idea what the heck I'm talking <laughs> about for a long time, and um, this isn't quite the case anymore, but YouTube for a long time was really the first and only of the major social networks um, to allow people to make money posting content. Um, so for example, for today, if I post a, a photo on Instagram, Instagram's not going to cut me a check for that. Um, but YouTube basically does that. And, and there were these cro- outcrop of companies that started full screen being one of them uh, and style hall being another that basically allowed um, the aggregation of YouTube channels. So you can kind of think of it like an ad network. So um, you sign a contract with a creator um, and the very basic economic model is that you, the, the company takes a small percentage of the creator's advertising revenue from YouTube. And in exchange, they build tools and services to help those creators grow their business. Um, it is in some parts a marketing agency. It's in some ways a uh, management company or a talent agency. It's this, as I said earlier, like this weird industry that I didn't even know existed. Um, but now it's kind of become to be known as kind of the influencer marketing space. And um, a lot of companies are doing it. And um, 
yeah, so that's kind of a, a maybe mm -hmm. a one-on-one of kind of and, the space we're talking and, about. And to create value, the intention, right, is to create value kind of on both sides of the equation, right? So by bringing together a number of influencers, it actually makes it easier to sell and get higher premiums for brands. And then brands also that want to engage, want to engage not one at a time, but they want to have an ability to scale. Yeah, exactly. It, it, at the simplest, lowest level, it's really helping to connect brands and advertisers with people making social content on the mm -hmm. internet. Mm -hmm. um, YouTube was kind of the foundation that a lot of these companies started on. Uh, again, because as I mentioned, YouTube was the only company to to monetize or the only platform to monetize for the longest time. Um, but now many of these companies, Style Hall included, are now on really any new social platform that there is and, and really helping go to big brands and agencies and saying, hey, influencer marketing is this thing that you want to be a part of. Um, we have a fully fleshed out 360 degree system um, that can help you execute these, these marketing campaigns that you want. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so with that as a primer, as the business model, that model has also evolved a lot, right? So what are some of the things you've seen, you know, kind of over the course? Cause it's moving fast. It still is moving fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I was going to, going to mention earlier is the, the analogy that I've heard is, um, kind of in 1.0 days of all of these companies, um, full screen style hall maker studios, um, you know, there's, there's half a dozen or so in the, in the 1.0 days, um, it was really uh, sort of the wild west. And, um, in these 1.0 days, it was really about, um, a land grab or an acquisition of talent, because really at the end of the day, what most of these companies, um, specialize in or, or have as proprietary is their relationships with, with content creators. And so at the beginning, most of these companies were trying to uh, essentially acquire or strike deals with these as many of these creators as they could. Um, and sort of as that, um, sort of as that matured a little bit, it was kind of, okay, we've acquired the land in this wild west analogy. Now we need to build the plumbing. Mm -hmm. Now we need to start building solid operational infrastructure um, to be able to shift into phase three or 3.0, which is the last kind of model, I think, which is, okay, well, we've acquired this land, we've built the infrastructure, what is the house we're going to build? Or what is mm -hmm. the building we're going to build? And and now we're seeing, while, you know, while Style Hall and Full Screen may have been um, sort of siblings, so to speak, at one point, because they were very similar in business models, um, now they, they're very different companies. And and again, those companies used to be very similar, but but now in the analogy, let's say Style Hall built a school and Full Screen um, built a house, right? So mm -hmm. they're using the relationships that they've acquired to create different business models. Mm -hmm. And so where, given what you've seen and how that's progressed, where do you have any thoughts about the future in terms of where this is going? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I don't mean the interview to be chock full of analogies today, but, but the analogy that comes, you know, as long most, as they're good. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope this is a good one. I've, I, I tell this one a lot, but, as I mentioned, my background, or I spent a couple of years in the music business, mm -hmm. um, and for better or worse, I see this online video space as similar to the music business in the sense that, um, you know, there for a long time, um, and maybe this is still 
the truth for certain creators. Um, for a long time, you really needed to be signed with a major record company. And apologies to those younger folks out there who will have no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> when talking about record companies uh, or radio. But um, for the longest time, in order to be a successful band or a successful musician, you needed the backing of a record company because they had all of the relationships, they had all of the money. Um, and I think early days of the MCN world was was very similar to that in the sense that these MCNs um, all shot out of the gate with these relationships and these partnerships, and they were really aggressive in, in doing a really great job making relationships with brands and agencies. And if you were an online content creator who wanted to make a living, um, being part of an MCN was a really smart thing for you. Um, and I think that's maybe slowly starting to change. I think um, just like the music industry, um, certain online content creators are realizing, well, I'm making a bunch of money. Uh, I can create my own dream team of people um, or I can create my own relationships with brands and agencies. Um, obviously, just like music, that won't work for everyone. Um I remember many years ago when Radiohead famously gave out an album for free, most people were like, well, that's great for Radiohead. How does everyone else do that? Um, the creator business is, I think, a little similar in that some creators, I think, are realizing that, oh, I can, I can hire my own marketing team. I can hire my own social media person. I can hire my own manager, my own le uh, lawyer, um, and I can kind of create my own self-sustaining business. Now, for most people, that doesn't make sense. Um, but I think the MCN industry kind of needs to sort of mature um, on the advertiser side of it. We're, and I think most brands these days are, they get what influencer marketing is. It's not kind of the, the hot new thing on the block it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of these companies um, really need to show ROI to advertisers. Mm -hmm. Advertisers, um, you know, five years ago may have been able to say, hey, we're the first to market doing this cool new influencer marketing thing. Um, the ROI doesn't really matter as much because we just want to show that we're doing something innovative. Mm -hmm. um, but I think now most people understand that influencer marketing is a thing um, and it's going to be here for a while. And so now companies are, are really having to show, okay, for every penny, every dollar spent, how much is the advertiser getting in return? So I think we're going to start seeing a lot more uh, data and analytics and conversion tracking and stuff like that for, for advertisers moving forward. Sure. So a, a trend that's happening, and I'll, I'll hear this from some of the, certainly from some of the top influencers, but like you'll, you'll this notion of like more professionally produced sort of Hollywood scripted shows, that feels like a, a common theme that, that in some cases it seems like creators want to sort of like, they feel like they've graduated or they've like hit the next level if, if they move into that space. Um, and, and I guess a question I have around that, like one, what are the trends that you see? And two, is that why people like, do people want to watch that content on YouTube? Is there a space for that? Is that going to blow up? Or is that, is that, is that, is that Hollywood taking sort of their, idea of what amazing content is and putting it into a channel that is actually designed for something totally different? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I wish I had like a great answer for it. It is an interesting thing to think about because right now it is, it is kind of an interesting and, co and confusing like soup of things yeah. in the sense that 
it's hard to answer that question cohesively and, and coherently. But one thing is, yeah, I think if you have built a built an audience and built a brand on creating v- uh, vlogging content of your face from your webcam in your bedroom, that's what your audience expects. And if mm-hmm. you do something totally different, they may not like that. Um, but I also think that there is an opportunity and there is room for higher produced content. Um, I think it remains to be seen a little bit. I think as a whole, at least among the stuff that I personally watch, um, the production value on YouTube does seem to be increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. One of course being just the amazing camera technology we have at our disposal these days mm-hmm. that, um, you know, my new iPhone eight plus can shoot 4k at 60 frames a second, I think. Wow. Um, and that's something that can fit in my pocket. So that's insane. So that doesn't really answer your question, but I think, you know, the word that we all talk about all the time, which is authenticity. And it's really about what fans expect. Um, Mm -hmm. So whenever you stray far away from that, it's going to be a little challenging. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that's uh, certainly didn't, if you could answer that question succinctly, (laughs) I think you'd have, uh, there's probably a company around answering that, that question succinctly. And I guess, sorry, the, the one thing though, I will say is, as I'm thinking about this more is, Again, it is confusing. It is complicated. But one thing that I I hope to see is a maturation of the industry without it turning into mm. totally a Hollywood industry. And, mm-hmm. and that, I think, is a really fine line that nobody will ever get right completely. Um, you know, for example, the the Streamy Awards, which mm-hmm. are one of the big sort of award shows in, in this business and and I'd seen some chatter online about people complaining about sort of the immaturity of the, of the event um, or of some of the performers or the, um, the, the host or something like that. And, and basically it's, it's tough because that quote unquote immaturity, that, that personality is what makes these creators who they are. It mm-hmm. makes them massively popular to millions of people. Um, that being said, I think some of those the industry as a whole has an opportunity to show not only to the public, but to advertisers, to, you know, to everyone that, um, no, we should be taken seriously. Um, so also that's not a great answer to the question, but it is a a fine balance between recognizing and appreciating what makes these people interesting uh, to begin with. They're not movie stars, um, while also wanting to see the the industry mature. Right. Right. Well, you also have <clears throat> sometimes those comments come from older folks too. And I'll put, I'll put myself in that, in that category. Um, but when you think of like, there were, there was a recent article. Um, I think, I think variety did a study of people under the age of 13. What do you want to be when you grow up? And it was like more than the number one answer was a YouTube star. Um, so I think the, and I think to your point, right. But, but the, the demographics of that audience also are not traditional Hollywood. They're, there are many times people who are under 21 years old. Yeah. And I feel so many conflicted things when, <laughs> when you say that I don't, I don't know how I, how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's awesome that kids, you know, ultimately what YouTubers are doing is um, creating content that th- by their own rules um, to express themselves in whatever the way they want. Um, 
But I also don't know how much of people's desire to do that. Uh, kids desire to become a YouTuber is based on, you know, the desire to express oneself, how much of that is, mm. well, no, I see these creators and they're partying and maybe they have extravagant brand deals and stuff like that. And some of the more commercial stuff, at least for me personally, is maybe um, not as interesting or maybe not as uh, not as much of something that I want to hold to a super high standard. And right. maybe that's blasphemous, but you know. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so you talked, before we went on air, you talked a little bit about your interest in kind of the rising middle class of, of creators. Um, and, and that ties into a lot of what we've been talking about, right? Where, um, the middle class of, of creators, they're probably not doing big production deals necessarily. And there may be less sort of agents and managers and, and other pieces of the business that they can support independently. Um, what are, what are some, like, where do you think that's going? What, 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 are there some trends or anything interesting happening, um, to support the middle class of creators? Or to have a rising middle class of creators, we could probably use that in our country too. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, what is most interesting, or the most interesting area of the industry or of that culture to focus on for me personally, is that middle class of creators. Um, similar again, going back to the music industry analogy I made with the creation of iTunes and uh, MySpace at the time, and then SoundCloud anybody could theoretically make their music available to mm. millions of people with the click of a button and, and content creators are the same. Um, and you may have really weird specific tastes as a online video content creator. Um, you may have an unusual sense of humor or an unusual, um, point of view or hairstyle, or, um, it's really a business that can support what previously would have been marginalized voices. Mm -hmm. Um, and not every person on YouTube, um, is a Matt Damon lookalike with perfect skin and perfect hair. And that's what makes the industry really exciting. Um, and so to your question, I think what's really interesting for me is all of these companies and tools and services that have popped up to help support that middle class of creator, um, who maybe this isn't someone who is making online video for their full-time job. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they're students, maybe they are, um, they have a full-time job. So for me, that's, what's really interesting. And, and what I think about in my current role at style hall is how can I make for our mid tier creators spe specifically? Um, obviously my, my job is to support all of our creators, but what really is interesting for me is those, those, that rising middle class of creators and how can we, the average person, how can we help them take, take home a, a couple more bucks every month? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, again, to the earlier point about people being able to kind of build their own business, there's so many cool companies out there, um, your own magic links being one of them, um, that can help people, um, again, bring home a couple of extra dollars every month. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that plug. We, uh, we are certainly passionate about, uh, about our mission there. Um, so, so I want to ask also uh, on that note, um, what the LA tech scene, right. Has been. Uh, evolving and growing really fast. And you've been a part of one piece of that industry. Um, uh, <clears throat> are there other parts that are, that are intriguing to you? Are there other companies that, um, you know, you get inspiration from or think are really doing cool and innovative things? 
Yeah, so I'm I'm not as into the LA tech scene as I would like to be. So consider this a shout out to anyone. Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn if you want to like get coffee or something. But, um, kind of the the two areas that I'm I'm really interested in, and we just we just talked about one. the t- The two areas sort of in LA tech that I'm really interested in right now is is one as we just talked about sort of the the companies that are helping everyday folks and also huge creators um, make more money and and um, make a living. Um, this is a, a job as as we talked about a bit ago that that is brand new and kids want to do it. And that's really cool. And mm-hmm. the companies that are helping support and create this industry are, are really interesting. Um, so that's one area separate, completely sort of 180 from that a little bit is in, and not an area that I work in personally, but an area that I'm interested in is the really sort of old school, um, but elegant idea of companies making products that they sell to people for money. Um, mm. it's, it's so, it's kind of, we talk a lot about tech and, and all of that. And I think this could take the form of, of technical or digital products, but, um, I'm really interested in companies that make a kick-ass product that they sell. And if people like it, they buy it. And that supports business and people who are doing stuff. And, um, sometimes you know, in this digital media landscape, um, it's, it becomes a little tricky to understand, um, kind of how we're all doing this and how we're all making money. Um, so I, I, I really like companies that are just building something and selling it. And it's very clear whether what you're doing is worthwhile because people are either buying it or they're not. Yeah. I love that. Um, it sounds simple, but it's also pretty hard to do, especially in a really competitive environment. Um, what, what are some, any of those companies that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of what the, the Headspace folks are doing here mm. in Southern California. Um, I've been a subscriber to Headspace for about two years. I'm a subscriber to Headspace as well. Very passionate about that company. Amazing. Um, but share, share why you're a subscriber, how you use uh, Headspace. Cause I think it's fascinating. Yeah. So you know, I'd been hearing for a while, I'd been reading interviews, I'd been listening to podcasts, I've been hearing people talk about meditation and mm-hmm. how meditation can really kind of unlock people's superpowers and can really help make them healthier and less stressed and kind of more balanced. And um, Headspace is one of those companies out there. They build a very cool, very beautiful looking uh, mobile app that basically... Um, is guided meditation. So every day it kind of tells you, you can sit down for 10 or 15 minutes. It walks you through it. It, it kind of leads your hand. And for someone like me who um, maybe doesn't ascribe to some of the more sort of Eastern philosophy, sort of religious undertones of meditation. Mm -hmm. um, It's, it's really kind of like a meditation app for like the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like it. I don't meditate nearly enough, but um, I think they're kind of doing a great job of making this meditation thing, which I think a lot of people have perhaps negative connotations of, um, and making it really cool and easy to understand. Yeah. What, what, uh, there were some other companies you were, you were thinking of as we were, as we were talking before the show. Yeah. So I think, I think Headspace is a cool example of a company building a, a digital product, um, you know, Headspace, I think they have a very basic sort of tutorial that's for free and kind of that freemium model where if it's something Mm. you're interested in and you want to do it more than the first 30 days, you you pay them Mm. um, an annual fee. And so, um, again, as I mentioned, a company that they build a thing and if you like it, you pay them money for it. Um, And that's an example of a digital kind of more of a tech company doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm also interested in in companies that build maybe not, they're not quite as tech focused or they're not quite as tech oriented, but, but companies like, 
um, Sonos or who, who I know are not in LA, but they're up in Santa Barbara. Um, parachute here in LA building sort of, uh, home goods, um, and a company like MeUndies that are all kind of tech, kind of not. Um, but again, sort of building things you can hold in your hand that, that you exchange money for. So, um, I don't know. I just think maybe that's just a reaction to mm-hmm. all of the sort of social media that we're confronted <laughs> right. with every day. It's a nice little <laughs> nostalgic feel, but, uh, that's kind of what I'm into right now. Those are, those are all great companies. So, um, how about in your, uh, are there places, cause the LA, the, we are LA tech community is a really passionate community of kind of, you know, startups, entrepreneurs, um, people who really want to have a thriving ecosystem in LA. Um, and one of the beautiful things is that Esprit has been kind of a, 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 a organizer and rallying cry to help make that happen. Um, are there any, are there any either, um, people in the LA community who've been particularly helpful for you, uh, as you, as your career has, has progressed or any, um, uh, any groups that you've been a part of or, or kind of places where you found, you know, really helpful to kind of meet and network and connect with the LA community? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think I I touched on this a little bit earlier that I'm, I'm not quite as into, and I don't mean interested in, but I'm not quite as involved in the LA tech scene as I would have liked. Um, but for me, it's really about meeting interesting people that I just enjoy on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I reached out to this guy on LinkedIn because he seemed to have a cool job and I wanted to learn more about it. Um, we had pretty different backgrounds, but I met this guy um, and I found out that he sort of is running uh, or, or has a pretty senior position at a very cool creative agency here in here in L.A. Mm. And so for me, it's kind of been about uh, networking a little bit more of an organic way. I, I do really love going to kind of more structured networking events and um, conferences and that kind of stuff. But I think I've gotten more value out of you know, reaching out to people or meeting people at a barbecue through friends. Um, you know, I, I'm maybe a little bit more of an introvert and a little bit more of a, uh, of a misanthrope. Maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm less likely to sort of be in sort of scenarios where it's more strictly net, networking. So it does again, doesn't really answer your question, but, um, really for me, it's about, interacting with people that I think are doing cool stuff and, and, and maybe more than that, who I just get along with and who mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind, uh, having a beer with or, or having lunch with. Yeah. Um, well, it seems like you, you're able to form long-term relationships with movers and shakers. So that's a, that's a skill that I think a lot of people, uh, could, could learn from or want to want to do better. Um, thanks. So, um, so, so Drew, we also love to ask, um, is there like, how can the community help you? Um, if you had a, if you had an ask, uh, of people in the startup community, um, what, what would that be? What comes to mind? Ooh, wow. I feel like I have so much power at my fingertips right now. (laughs) Um, no, I mean, I think the thing that I would like to see more of, um, and this maybe doesn't help me as much as sort of helps make this community a place that Mm -hmm. I want to be in and to be a part of is, um, is, really about focus um, and focusing on a few things and doing them well and being able to clearly articulate um, who you are and who you're not and what mm. you're about and what you're not about. I was at um, VidCon earlier this year and VidCon, for those who don't know, is kind of the biggest conference for kind of folks in the 
influencer and online video space. And, and I saw a panel and, um, kind of as normal panels go, everyone kind of stands up and introduces themselves a little bit. And, and I was really blown away by this one particular guy who was the CEO of a, of a company. And he was just so good at defining exactly what his company was about. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to sort of, I think this stuff, it's a little like, you know, woo woo, a little hippie, but like mm-hmm. the idea of like mission statements and values and stuff like that, I think can really pay dividends and and it all comes down to really like focus and knowing who you are and what you're about. Um, and if that means you're not for some people because of what you're about, um, I, I don't think that's a problem. So I guess to answer your question, my ask would be to sort of please make this place a little better for all of us by like knowing who you are and, and knowing who you're not and being confident in, in what you're doing. Gosh, that's so good. That's such good advice for, for everyone, for entrepreneurs, especially. And, um, uh, being able to articulate that really succinctly. Um, and <clears throat> to your point, what I love too, is, is that by defining that very clearly, you, by definition, you're basically, there's some people who may not like that and being okay with that. Um, that actually helps, helps you and it helps everyone around you. Um, yeah. And it, it's style hall just to bring in a last plug, like style hall, we focus mostly on beauty and fashion creators yes. and, and we kind of have our lane and we stick to it. And, um, yeah, we'll sometimes go outside of that a little bit, but, um, there are a lot of people that we're for, and there are a lot of people that we're not for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. And I think in this sort of digital space, um, it can be easy to sort of, um, you know, as some sort of programmers call it like feature creep, right? Mm-hmm. Move more and more outside of what your original goal was. And then all of a sudden you're kind of a tech media company that doesn't really do anything well. You just kind of do a lot, right? but you don't do it <laughs> right. well. Um, I think maybe that's why those companies that I mentioned earlier, like Sonos or Parachute or Headspace, like they know what they are. Yeah. Um, and maybe they'll expand a little bit outside of it, but they'll have a really damn good reason for doing so. so. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And, and the focus for Style Hall too, it, it's, it's a focus, uh, I think at least on a particular set of content and particular type of creators, but it can still has huge expansion, even as you look at like other other networks, right? And other social platforms. So my my memory of Style Hall starting was mainly YouTube. And now it's every social platform, right? You've got Instagram, you've got Facebook, probably you're doing stuff on WeChat, Snapchat. There's probably places I'm not even sure where you guys are doing stuff, but you're able to take that focus and still extend it, but in ways that are really true, I think, to that core mission. Totally. And while we may have started, um, you know, a, a inch wide, a mile deep, Mm-hmm. We're now still a mile deep, maybe two inches wide. Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're expanding in some ways, but still what our core is hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, but it, that, you know, that's, I think a lot easier said than done. I, I've been at companies um, or been in scenarios where it's easy to like go a little bit outside your comfort zone and a little bit mm-hmm. um, into this thing, but you're kind of uh, maybe betraying who you are. And I realize like, Again, that's easier said than done because mm-hmm. it's a tough business. We all want to make money. We all want to grow our businesses. Um, but I think there's real value. And for me personally, I really admire the companies that um, have that sort of principled stance on who they are and, and what they're about. Mm-hmm. 
So, so Drew, if people want to find um, either brands or creators want to find Style Hall, how do they how do they find how do they find the company, and then how would people be able to connect with you? Yeah, so uh, Style Hall is at stylehall.com. That's S T Y L E H A U L dot com. Um, Style Hall, the company. We're on all the major platforms. You can find our links on our on our website. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, ones I probably haven't even heard about. Um, and me personally, I'm at drewshannon.net, D-R-E-W-S-H-A-N-N-O-N. Um, and you can get links to all my, all my stuff from my website. Amazing. Well, Drew Shannon, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been uh, a really informative interview um, and really appreciate your, your thoughts on the space. Thanks so much, Brian. This has been really fun. We Are LA Tech is independently funded by the community. We couldn't make this happen without your support. If you too want to contribute to We Are LA Tech and see us making the podcast, building the mobile apps, creating the events year after year, consider contributing at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash We Are LA Tech. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.